Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to you Tuesday. Good to have your company for the next three hours. Myself and Robinho, Sammy under the weather. Sammy Hewitt under the weather. Gen Z sickness. Oh no, X Y. He says Y. I don't know what the Gen Y X Z. I don't know what the cutoffs are. I need to find that out. Actually, need to find that out. <sighs> Rugby World Cup headline now is coming up very soon. Um, one o'clock. Mitch McLennigan, maybe about quarter past one, somewhere around there. He's doing overnight commentary since he reckons he'll be waking up about now. So we'll catch up with him soon. Uh, in about an hour. Uh, we'll have Brenna Popwell with a TAB update. We'll have What's Making News. And Jared Ross will preview the Heartland and maybe review the season as well. But first, it is the Rugby World Cup headline hour. Twelve to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup headline hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Okay, we didn't have the audio yesterday because the game hadn't long been finished. Fiji against Portugal. Portugal momentous win. 24-23. Simon Raiwalui, head coach of Fiji, mentioned to him, it was a loss to Portugal, but you've still qualified for the quarters. What's your feeling after that game? Obviously, firstly, I want to congratulate Portugal on their win. Um, uh, great victory. Stuck to... Played very well in the first half. Uh, we didn't take our chances. Finally got the lead, and then uh, they stuck at it and got the try at the end. So, firstly, congratulations to them. Obviously, disappointed to to lose the game, uh, but uh, yeah, qualification for the quarterfinals is uh, no small feat. We've uh, the last time we qualified for the quarterfinals was 2007. So, very happy to be there, but we've got a lot of work to do this week. And on that, what did he feel the shortcomings were in that match? Where did they struggle? I think in the first half, we obviously we had our chances to release the ball wide. We didn't. We didn't get it wide. I think still too many uh, drop balls in contact, um, putting the pressure back on ourselves. And yeah, obviously, Portugal took their chances and uh, got the, got got scoreboard pressure on us. And um, yeah, thought we'd. Uh, done enough at the end to get it but they, they kept on going and got their try at the end so yeah a uh, number of things to work on similar uh, I thought there were some good areas uh, today yeah but there's uh, we've got to get, get those basics right um, a few a couple, lost uh, set pieces as well the line out puts it puts you in pressure, under pressure uh, all going back into our territory so yeah there was a number of things and now looking ahead to the quarterfinal against England, uh, he was asked what he made of their previous game and what do you make of the matchup? They're a great tournament team. Um, they play they play football uh, football to win, or rugby to win. Um, yeah, they'll put a lot of pressure on us at set piece time as well. Uh, tactically, they'll look to look to play. Again. Uh, take advantage of some of the things that we've, we've been doing. So, yeah, they're a very good team. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, he was also asked in that match where they went down to Portugal, uh, was he surprised by their level of play? 
Not at all. I've been watching Portugal play since we knew they were in there in our pool. So um, Patrice Lajeske and his uh, coaching staff have done a wonderful job. Um, in terms of the style of play they play, uh, the efficiency that they play at. So, uh, like I said, the, the, the victory today was well deserved, and anyone that's surprised about how they play is, uh, is hasn't been watching them because they've been playing a very good brand of rugby. And, uh, and I think you can tell from all the all the games that they played in this tournament, they've been getting better and better. And of course, Fiji in a warm-up game beat England at Twickenham in August. He was asked if that encourages his team going into this week's game. I think it's a totally different match, uh, playing, a, playing a different team. So I think there'll be aspects of how they play that they'll, they'll do similar, but they'll obviously bring some new stuff that they've seen probably from us. So it's about us being efficient and uh, doing the things that we do well uh, and giving ourselves the best chance to, to compete. And I think, uh, yeah, the, we've, we've, we've played the team, so they're, they're, the boys are comfortable. It's not the first time playing them. So, yeah, you know, I think it'll be a good match. And just as a reminder, it was absolute scenes at the end when Portugal won. Their players uh, didn't look fatigued at all, just the adrenaline was flying. So we'll, we'll play you the very end of that game, sort of the full-time whistle. Then we'll hear from coach, who is a wonderful French wing, Patrice Lajeske. We'll hear from him and the man of the match from Portugal, Nicolas Martins. Portugal have a famous win at the Rugby World Cup, and look what it means. Look what it means indeed. This is huge. A tier two team playing phenomenal rugby, so well coached by Lajese. Look what it means them. It's phenomenal. The passion that this Portuguese team have been. They deserve this win. They were the better team overall. They absolutely deserve it for the sheer resilience, the brilliance at times, the superb rugby that they played for 80 minutes plus. Fiji will live to fight another day. Portugal, look what it means. Look what it means to this team. I know how much you've worked hard to get yourself to where you are today. The first win in a Rugby World Cup for Portugal. And you you guided the ship. Just tell us what your thoughts are at this moment. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's uh... It's unbelievable. They, they always find resources that uh, I never expect. And the way they could score this last try is, is amazing. It's, uh, even if we work a lot to, to be able to do things like that, they, they still surprise me. <laughs> After four years, they, yes, it's an incredible group, an incredible team. Uh, and, they, and they are players who are really talented, you know. It must be really difficult for you on an emotional level because you're, it's the last match uh, coaching Portugal and you end with a win. Yes, it couldn't be better. <laughs> I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. So lucky to train a, a squad like, like this one and uh, I'm so lucky to finish with this victory. It's, uh, yes, it's a great moment, yes. And what about the fans? Just a couple of words about these incredible fans for this Portuguese team. I love them. They, they're incredible. They, they support their team. Uh, 80 minutes during, they sing, they, they shout. They can hear them. Yes, I love them. Nicolas, um, what an incredible night for Portuguese rugby. Can you please just give us your initial thoughts? What's it mean to you? Something incredible. We work a lot for that. I have uh, no word to say that it's uh, historic. I'm so happy. I think it's uh, the best moment of my life. 
you've been playing some great rugby at this uh, Rugby World Cup, and now a draw, and now a win. I mean, you know, what's what, what's so special about these boys in this team? I don't know. We are a team of friends from uh, France, from Portugal, but we we live together. It's uh, something incredible. And what about these fans? Just tell, you know, tell us what you think about these fans here. Right. It's incredible. All the public were for us, and the Fiji played well, but wow, the, all, this, all this is... Wow, I, don't have the, I don't have the word. Yeah, just delighted for them. Um, absolutely magnificent. I've actually pulled some stats together which I'll share with you in the first hour from the teams that are departing and there's some surprising reading actually about how well some of the teams did in various parts of their games statistically across the whole tournament that are not going forth so I'll get to those soon Um, just one little bit out of the All Black Camp watched a really good little chat with uh, Andy Ellis and this was on NZR Plus Andy Ellis, former All Black halfback catching up with the future of New Zealand halfbacks Cam Roygaard, here's their chat About 8 months ago you're, you're training getting ready to, for the hurricane season and here you are now pushing pretty hard for a spot in this AB's team How are you feeling? Oh, obviously I'm loving it like it's, um, it's obviously happened pretty quickly but um, yeah like Eight months ago or a year ago even, um, wouldn't really think that I'd be here. Had goals and stuff at the start of the year and um, probably seemed a little bit unrealistic at the time, but um, it was something to strive for and keep um, pushing towards. And I suppose like, I'm pretty grateful that I have been able to um, tick some of those off um, as the year's sort of gone on. And um, to be here now, um, getting ready for a quarterfinal is pretty cool. Now, um, a lot of people won't know, but you're a Waikato boy when... Cambridge, um, and do you want to tell us a little bit about that that sort of journey of moving away from there? Yeah, so I went to um, St Peter's Cambridge and was in the Waikato Pre-Academy, they call it, which was like for year 12, 13. Wasn't really much of an opportunity at Waikato um, for the academy, um, and counties showed interest, so I thought that was my best opportunity to um, get potential game time, so yeah, made the decision to um, go up there. You, you moved, shifted from Waikato. Was there other halfbacks in the way there? Uh, yes. Is that why you moved? Part of the reason, yeah. So there was um, Cortez, who's my age. And he was probably the top nine in Waikato. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, it was quite funny. I got talked about the club, playing club in the Waikato, that they wanted us playing against each other, not in the same club. And I thought, of, sort of thought about that from, like, an NPC perspective. Like, I don't want to be stuck behind these guys in the academy or NPC. I'd rather be somewhere else and play against them to sort of try to prove myself. You're from a stock car mm. uh, family. Your, your dad, massive driver. You, yep. you and your brother yeah. went and watched them when you were younger, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so sort of grew into it. Like, um, dad raced off for years and it was sort of just a part of, um, part of growing up, really. Um, it was sort of speedway first and um, rugby second. <laughs> yeah. Or rugby in the winter, speedway in the summer. And do you think that that experience of driving helped your rugby in, in any way? Yeah, like, um, well, it's quite interesting, like, when we're in that, um, the mini stocks, which is the kid class, you sort of have to use your peripheral vision, um, your vision to, like, avoid crashes and sort of feel who's around you and stuff, and I think um, on the field, it's, I suppose it's a little bit similar, you know, like, if you've got a line break or someone's coming behind you, you can sort of feel your supporters and stuff like that, so. Go well, brother. Thanks, mate. Yes, go well, brother. Um, very 
Very level-headed young man, isn't he? I love the maturity. I'm very excited for the future of him. And actually, while that was playing, Robbie said, I don't really care who Ian Foster picks this weekend, except for one position. Cam Roygaard on the bench, not Finley Christie. And that's not an anti-Finley Christie one at all. It's it's a pro Roygaard. I think he's a long-term halfback for the future. 100% agree. Um, yeah, I'd, yeah. As as you said, not not anti Finlay Christie. Um, I am still thinking I would have liked to see Brad Weber there, but he's not. I've come to terms with that, and I think yeah, basically um, from what we've seen in the tournament, uh, Aaron Smith, your number nine, Cam Roygaard's your twenty one or whatever. You pretty much only need two halfbacks at the World Cup, but they do mm. take three for injury cover because if a if you only took two and a half back went down, you'd have to send one over and it's going to be a few days before they get there. So I get that. Same with Hooker. Um, but Finley Christie, I don't know how much more rugby he's going to get uh, or whether they'll alternate on the bench. I don't know, but I really want to see Cam Roygaard on there. Right, we shall take a break on the other side. We haven't heard from this guy, I think, for the whole tournament. Michael Checker, sneaky little man, former Wallabies coach is now leading Argentina. They beat Japan 39-27 and they find themselves in the quarterfinals. We'll have a little catch up with him post his match. Uh, And we're also going to play you quite a long piece but I find it very, very interesting. RTE Rugby, which is an Irish rugby show uh, with analysts, former number 8 Jamie Heaslip and former midfielder Darren Cave, both for Ireland, uh, looking ahead at Ireland's Rugby World Cup quarterfinal match against us and later on we've got some black caps netherlands highlights if you missed out on those as well so still a lot to come stick around a little bit of personnel uh information antoine dupont has had the all clear to come back and play so that's good news for the french team um i've listened to a lot of interviews with uh there's a lot of former players being involved in the press over there and almost to a person they are saying they just wonder where his confidence level is because he's quite an abrasive, embraces the contact type player. And just, can he put that to the back of his fractured cheekbone mind and um, really go at it? But uh, good for the French, good for the tournament that he is back. And uh, unfortunate news for Argentina, Pablo Matera is out of their quarterfinal against Wales and if they got past that we don't know um, how much further actually I'm not 100% I think Michael Checker uh, spoke to that let's have a listen now to Michael Checker this was on the sideline immediately after his team beat Japan 39-27 moments in the coach's box. The, ga- the tournament's been so competitive and even when you feel like you get yourself ahead a little bit, everyone's playing for their lives, right? So we gave them a few easy entries back into the game, which was unfortunate, but if you look on the positive of that, then we can turn that around and get better at that next week. Maybe we'll be a chance, you know? You take on Wales in the quarterfinals. Your captain just said that you're going to need to improve if you are to beat them. Is that how you see it as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, as you go along, you've got to get better. Well, one thing we did do today, we scored some tries. which We, we got a few more under our belt. Our defence wasn't as good as it's been, so we sort of traded one for the other. But, look, I think what changes now is the mentality. I feel like some of our boys have been... You look at the crowd here today. So many Argentinians who have put their savings together 
to come for this week, next week. I think they felt a bit of that pressure, you know. I mean, we've got to win, so you can't think about that. Now that everyone's happy, all the crowd's happy, they're into it, and they're right for the next two, maybe we can just chill out and go for it, you know, play some good footy, and then we'll see the car, where the cards fall, you know. We'll see how we go. And just quickly, do you have an update on Pablo Matera? No, but it doesn't look good. So I'd say it's a hamstring injury, definitely. And by the look of him now, I'd say it'll be over. But, you know, it's never over till it is. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be a terrible blow for them if their, if their leader, Pablo Matera, is injured out of the Rugby World Cup. Now, they haven't really hit their straps this World Cup, Argentina. I don't feel like we've seen the form that we saw from them just under 12 months ago. Um, that irrepressible pack and the free-flowing backline, it just hasn't seemed to click yet for them in the World Cup. But they have made a quarter-final. Now, you know I love a stat. Here's some stats for some of the teams. In fact, I've got them for all the teams. I won't do it all right now, but um, I've picked out the interesting ones. So out of Pool A, these are just the teams going home. Italy. Um, It was the set piece that cost Italy. They had the worst scrum success of any team at the World Cup, just 75%. So they lost a quarter of their scrums, uh, losing... About one and a half scrums a game. Oh, sorry, fifteenth out of the twenty teams as well for lineout success, which which isn't great. Uh, Uruguay, uh, a major positive for them was the work at the breakdown. They were ranked second best for breakdown turnovers, four and a half a game, contributing to the fifth most one overall. Um, Namibia. Alistair Kutsi Cyber ranked third for dominant collisions, 34.5 per game, which is incredible when you consider they had the third fewest carries at the tournament in round robin. So very few carries, but most of them dominant collisions. So in terms of percentages, they were top of the pile out of all the teams, despite being in a hugely physical group with France, the All Blacks and Uruguay. So well done to Namibia for that. Scotland, who were outed by Ireland. Uh, They topped the charts with average carries per game, defenders beaten, offloads, and they averaged second for line breaks and metres gained. They topped the charts in so many areas. And in fact, they scored more tries with 21 than any team on the other side of the draw. But given they were on the tough side, um, it amounted to them going home. Tonga. Now, they were revered for their physical approach. uh, And surprisingly, they were ranked 19th in the tournament for dominant collisions behind only Chile. Only 34%, which is very low for Tonga. Uh, That translated into being unable to recycle their ball quickly enough uh, to stress uh, stress the defences. And the average speed of four and a half seconds to clear the ruck put them 15th out of 20 in the tournament. So a disappointing tournament for Tonga, I feel. Um, But they just need more rugby. All of the Pacific Nation teams got better as the tournament went on, particularly Samoa. Romania. Uh, Of course, no victories at the World Cup, but one positive, uh, they tried to play with speed and they had the fifth fastest ruck speed of any team at three and a half seconds, Uh, but their line-out was poor. They won the fewest overall line-outs, eight and a half a game, putting them 17th in line-out success, just 74%. Oh, Australia, I'm going to save them till last. They really dissected Australia. Portugal, who we just heard from, um, even though not through to the quarterfinals, I think one of the success stories. Uh, They were ranked seventh for average carries per game, 
ninth for metres, sixth for line breaks, fourth for offloads, and that was definitely evident in that final try of uh, pool play of their last game of Rugby World Cup 2023 with their famous victory over Fiji. Georgia uh, played to their strengths relatively well, got decent output from doing so. Uh, They were the fourth best scrum success, 94%, uh, winning the fifth most overall scrums. Uh, They played territory, lots of kicking. They ranked fourth for kicks and play, uh, but they couldn't attack the breakdown. They won the fewest turnovers at the breakdown of any team in the World Cup. Japan um, knocked out by Argentina in their final pool game as we heard Uh, they had to make the most tackles of the tournament 166 tackles per game they overtook Wales in the last round Michael Leach made the most with 62 tackles uh, but ultimately he and his teammates were unable to make the quarters like they did last time and no surprise that Japanese headed the discipline records of the pool play Uh, They conceded the fewest penalties per game with just eight and an average of only two and a half of those conceded on attack. Samoa, uh, discipline was the real issue for Manu Samoa. They conceded the second most penalties, 13 and a half a game, and they didn't really show up in defence the way we all thought they would. Uh, Made relatively few tackles, just 108 per game, 15th of the 20 teams, but they missed an average of 26 tackles a game. 26 tackles a game. Not great for them. Chile, not much to report on here. Um, what's the one sticking out for them? They won the six most turnovers at breakdowns with a total of 14, but not a great tournament. I think it was their first, it was their first ever Rugby World Cup. They want to Now, Australia. These were the stats. They are the second highest ranked team in the world to not reach the quarterfinals after Scotland. And it's the first time that we've seen the Wallabies not make it past group stage. In defence, Eddie Jones' side made the third most dominant tackles of the tournament, but they missed an average of 22 tackles a game. That put them in 16th out of 20. That contributed to them losing games to Wales and Fiji and saw them miss the knockouts. Uh, One knock-on effect from the poor tackling was their inability to get parity at the breakdown. They ranked 13th for turnovers one with an average of just five a game. And their discipline was also poor, conceding 13 penalties a game, which ranked them 16th out of 20. So if you go on the stats, you can sort of see why it didn't quite all work out for Australia. Uh, Text here, Dean, New Plymouth. The game this weekend will hinge on the midfield battle and winning the breakdown. The Irish have a big advantage in both areas. Foster's fantasy of running and gunning will only play into their hands. The All Blacks have to be prepared to fight fire with fire and win a tough physical battle. Another big difference is their backs are prepared to do the dirty work. Play like loose forwards when they need to. We have several backs scared of contact. Dean from New Plymouth, you stay listening because after the news... After the news, you will be very interested in the former Irish internationals, their take on how they think Ireland and New Zealand will go in this quarterfinal. We've got some stuff to give away today. Got some stuff to give away today. Bluebird have just released a brand new thick cut chip. Three flavours. Salted, which is your Joe Normal. The ultimate barbecue ribs which I have here unopened, and the epic salt and vinegar. Here's, the, here's what you have to do. 
I'm going to give away two boxes of 12, so you'll get four of each flavour in a box. And they're big ones. They're big, they're big packets. They're not the little ones that fit in your glove box. This has to go in your boot. Text me through on double eight double three Temper Bear Post Text Machine, but we'll call it the uh, Bluebird Thick Cut Chips Big Crunch Big Taste Machine. I want you to send me through the ultimate chip flavour, a new one. And one box will go to the one I like the sound of, and one will go to the person with the most creative. So we've got two cartons of chips up for grabs for the afternoons with Staffy. Bluebird thick cut chip, they're proper thick. They won't snap off in your dip or your pesto or your hummus if you're that way inclined. I'm going to try the ultimate barbecue after the news. We'll take news. My goodness me, you people, you people, Michelin star potato chip designers. Can, shall I read some out, Robbie? Vegemite parba and cream. <laughs> Ultimate chip flavour, prawn cocktail. Garlic sausage, garlic sausage roll flavoured, I reckon be a good dip. Roast lamb flavoured chips. Read the chips. Salted popcorn and ice cream flavour. I know you would love that. Mikey G, I do. I dip my ice cream into the popcorn. That would be an interesting one. Um... Uh, Cream donut, a cream donut flavour. Pork and puha from Kerry. Garlic butter and barbecue prawns. Me oh my. <laughs> Sweet and spicy hoisin roast duck. Oh. Surf and turf. Steak and prawn. Can from Invercargill. Uh, while a little expensive, power and crayfish flavour. <laughs> There's a, bit of, a couple of powers. I'd go straight out double anchovy. Uh, Mark, you could just get your salt shaker and just pour in half a kilo of salt, and that'll give you anchovy flavour. Chip flavour has to be straight out. Oh, I've just done that one. Uh, hot dog mustard and sauce flavour. Nice. Power onion and lemon zest. Nice. Salted oyster chips. You know about me and oysters. Best friends. Righto, actually. I've been good. They are open and they are thick. This is the ultimate barbecue ribs. Craig Cumming, former New Zealand opener, just texted me and said, mate, those chips are awesome. So here we go. Proper crunchy. Ultimate barbecue ribs for the win. That's a podium. That's on the podium. And they're thick. I like them. I like them. So keep your texts coming. We've, we've got so many. So, so many. I love it. T-bone steak with mushroom sauce chip. I'm going to have to take a photo of all these and, and send them through. Um, this is amazing. So the one that I like the sound of the most, and there is a leader that's come in so far, but it can be usurped. And the most... Creative. Not necessarily that I'd eat, but the most creative. And there's there's a leader there, or there's a couple of leaders. And Robbie Robbie will help me with that one. He can't help me with the one I like the sound of the most. Double eight double three temper beer post text machine. You can win one of two boxes of big bags of chips. Come on, Craig Cumming. Text yours in. Text yours in. I know you like them already. Um text through the best flavour, the most creative flavour. 
and you get a box of 12. Four packs of each of uh, barbecue, what is it called? Ultimate barbecue ribs, epic salt and vinegar, and your normal salted. We'll take out a very quick break because I want to play you this thing in full. It's Jamie Heaslip and Darren Cave, two former Irish internationals. I'll explain it after the break. I'll tell you what, chip flavours are taking over the text machine. 57 text flavours in seven minutes we got. Or 58 in seven minutes, something like that, Robbie told me. Um, and they just keep coming. There's some very funny ones, like fried wallaby to commemorate the Aussies' exit from the World Cup. There was another one which was uh, Guinness and Irish Tears. <laughs> when the island get walloped by us. Well, uh, it was my intention to read them all out, but there's 57. There's 57. I will read them all, but I won't read them all out. Um, we're looking for your most creative, most delicious chip flavour. Maybe one that these makers have never, ever thought of. I'm going to give away two boxes of 12 big bags. Four each of salted ultimate barbecue ribs, which is the one I'm having now, and now Robbie is as well, and epic salt and vinegar. Believe it, thick cut chips. Ooh, can't say that too fast. Big crunch, big taste. You heard the crunch, and I can verify the taste. Right, Jamie Heaslip and Darren Cave are two former Irish internationals. Gave their honest opinion and breakdown, and I thought it was a really interesting chat. So we're going to play it to you now. It's from their rugby show in Ireland. Everything has changed with this Irish team. They don't fear New Zealand maybe in the same way that they would have even four years ago. No, not at all. Um, just like, I mean, they've, they've beaten them pretty consistently for the last few years. Um, they have a lot of momentum now from uh, the last 18 months in general. They're on the biggest ever streak they've been on before, but even from this competition. And it's just worked out brilliant for them. They've, they, they had to kind of really peaked for that South Africa game. They kind of had a, a bit of time off and now they're building again and, they, and they've kept that momentum going through. And the fact that pretty much they could take everyone off the field that they need to take off after 50 minutes um, and save their legs, particularly with that turnaround time, New Zealand getting two extra days. It's all fallen really, really well for them. And you're right, in terms of psyche, they will not fear this, these guys at all. Um, and that will be huge coming into this week. It's needed as well. You need that confidence. Um, and, and you have to be able to back yourself as well because, you know, when asked the question there, what do, what do they need to do? They need to be carry that rootless efficiency that they have because there's not going to be many moments that you get against a, a quality side like New Zealand, but you've, you've got to be able to take them. And this side have just shown consistently that's what they can do. They've put themselves in this position over the last number of years. It's not just this World Cup, but they're on an 18-game winning streak if they win at the weekend. Only two teams have done that before, England and New Zealand. So this is now the category that this team are in. It's not just about the quarterfinal. It's about what they've done to get to here. Yeah, and it makes a... It's kind of a, an obvious thing to say, but wasn't really spoken about before. Um, you know, if you're going in to play New Zealand in a Rugby World Cup and you've never beaten them in the history of rugby, like, you do believe that you can do it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's quite unlikely as well. This group, um, they're definitely, they're not the biggest difference. They're not scared of anyone. And they've no reason to be scared yeah. of anyone. They've beaten everyone. Um, I think a lot of teams, New Zealand, interesting to hear them. Um, they're sort of the narrative they're spinning is that they're happy enough to be playing Ireland. I, I do think there will be a bit of bite from wanting to knock us off our perch from, from last summer. Um, but I think, like, and it's hard as like a pundit, you're coming into these games and people think you're being arrogant because you're back in Ireland and it's not about being disrespectful to the opposition. I think New Zealand 
are really, really coming good. But I just believe that Ireland, like some of their uh, some of their accuracy, is absolutely off the chart. And I believe if they are able to execute with that level of accuracy. Uh, I'm not sure any team would beat them. And interesting, Dono saying they have more gears. Across 80 minutes, yes, but across 30 minutes uh, or 38 minutes, I don't think so. I thought last night they were unbelievable, both sides of the ball. And it ended up that the second half was a bit disappointing because the whole thing was over. Yeah, it was done. Can I ask you about that narrative that Darren's talking about there? I heard Bowden Barrett saying, you know, oh, we've got one, you know, we, we, we want Ireland because of what happened. And you do wonder if there's a bit of needle there that maybe they feel they heard Ireland saying, yeah, we want New Zealand, we'd prefer them other than France as well. That has to have got in there a little bit as well. I think well. it meant the Irish people that are probably down in New Zealand telling them that and yeah. telling us <laughs> it for the last 12 months. Um, but... Yeah, New Zealand done a really good job. They've kind of flown in under the radar, right? Um, they had a big opening game, and then you know they've been able to manage their squad pretty well and get them home. And now there's question like, will they be undercooked versus a battle-hardened Ireland? Um, that's going to be something coming into the fray. But you know they they do have someone called Joe Schmidt in their coaching staff who will be. You know, I, I get shudders thinking about the analysis that he's going to be doing on these players because um, he knows them so well and knows the way they're playing. But but the big difference, I think, is playing against this New Zealand side. I think our pack will dominate their pack. And and that's that's really important because that will give us momentum in terms of carries. It will give us momentum in terms of our set piece and what we can do to their set piece as well. Um, and that will slow them down, their attacking prowess, because with New Zealand, if you keep giving them loads of quick free ball, they've got class players and they'll cut you apart. Um, but I don't think Ireland are going to give them that. However, New Zealand, are going to, I think, are going to find it harder to slow us down. And the way the Southern Hemisphere teams tend to uh, defend, particularly in New Zealand, which is um, they, they don't mark the space, they tend to mark the man mm -hmm. as such. And I think if you watch last night's play, some of the tries came about because of the work off the ball by the players to create the overlap. Like, um, I think it's Dan Sheehan's try there that you see James Gibson Park, he carries in on the wing on one side, gets up out of that rook, works his butt off to get around and actually makes the pass then to put him away in the corner. And that's just hard work and street smarts. And I think the way New Zealand defend, they're going to struggle if they can't slow Ireland's ball down. And I think everyone is finding it hard to slow Ireland's ball down. If that's one element of it, the big power play with the pack... New Zealand do have, generally, have always had some of the best backs in the world. And if you look at maybe what the dice that Ireland might be rolling with who we have fit and who we don't have versus what they have, are the aces slightly in their pocket? It's, it's really hard to know. And the more you sort of go around, the more you think about it, um, it's tough because we just don't have the information about who's injured and who's not. So part of me thinks um, it, it has the makings of a catastrophe. Genuinely, if um, if Lou Hanson, Earls, and Henshaw are all out, um, and not to disclude like James Ryan would weaken any team, but if if all four of those players are out, it is a bit of a catastrophe. Um, however, we could get an injury update tomorrow to say that uh, all four of them are expected to be fit, and it's so it's really really hard to tell. Um, it's not ideal that Jimmy O'Brien hasn't played and it looks like on the basis of probability he may be involved this weekend. But listen, I think big picture, um, provided we don't get bad news on all four of those players, we probably have a fitter squad than most other teams at this yeah. stage of the tournament. Yeah. I think we, we love to paint this picture that we don't have depth just because we're Irish. And, but we, like, we do have depth. We have a lot of really good players. And to be fair, Jimmy yeah. O'Brien played against South Africa in November and was brilliant. I know he's only had seven caps, but yeah. he was superb then. I don't think anybody in Ireland, if Jimmy O'Brien was playing, would say, oh, that, that weakens the team. No, and like, 
I think Lowe is probably going to be fine. Um, we'll see how uh, Hansen is, um, depending on, on how that pans out. And then we'll see what the, the permutations are. And I actually think, in a really weird way, anything that gets thrown in this squad in terms of last-minute changes, injuries, anything like that, they take it in their stride. I think um, Andy always frames that really well in terms of another challenge thrown against them. And, and any challenge that's been put in front of them, They've overcome it. Um, and he's got to back the squad as well. He's got to back the depth. He's got to back the players that he has. It'd be quite interesting if he has to bring over players who he's bringing. We were talking about it off air. If James Ryan, for example, goes home, I actually think we're really strong around the second row or back five in the pack. Um, and I think there's an outside chance he then might actually bring someone like a, a Keen Healy over in that case, actually, as opposed to an out and out second row. Um, but look, we, we don't know how it's, that's going to pan out, but he's, you, you, I have the feeling that Andy will back who he has over there, and Jimmy O'Brien is a great player to use. Yeah, it's a great week to look forward to, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I actually completely agree with, um, uh, with Jimmy. It's, we've all become doctors, and we've all yeah. seemed to have ruled James <laughs> yeah, Rannoy, but I do think um, Cian Healy... You know, you separate argument, um, like Cian Healy, how fit will he be versus Kilcoyne or Lachman, but you know, there's a series of events where you actually your squad... Um, I wouldn't say strengthen, but you know what I mean? Cian yeah. Haley and that squad adds huge value. Um, it's just incredibly exciting, and hopefully we get some good injury news, and uh, hopefully, obviously, the game goes well. There it is, the Irish pundits on the matchups. I thought they made some very clear, concise observations about how they see Ireland getting over the top of the All Blacks and what the All Blacks are going to have to do. It's such a mouth-watering, such a mouth-watering game, this one. Right, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to try and get through. I'll have about two minutes to get through as many of these flavours. There's some absolute rippers. Stay tuned. There's a lot of thought gone into some of these. Crayfish, butterfish, blended chip with a touch of basil or basil. Lemon, pepper, chicken, Hamish. He's even given us his address, the curry of the box. Uh, basil pesto with tomato and salt. Basil pesto with tomato and salt. Uh, my best chip would be pork belly with a hint of kumara mash. Ooh, salt and vinegar, kiwi onion dip, can't beat it. The old classic, well, I'll tell you what, the epic salt and vinegar in this range is will suit you to a treat, Leonard. Ultimate chip flavour, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and gravy. British. BNAs or peppercorn and bourbon. Now, Kimberly is our resident Michelin star listener. BNAs or peppercorn and bourbon. Wow. Kangaroo covered in carver. <laughs> Cream power with bacon. Uh, smoky wood-fired pizza up the All Blacks and up the Real Bay. Hawks Bay. Louie. Good on you, Louie. Uh, savoury mints on toast. Just nothing too flash about that, but makes me hungry. Uh, hungry, says Kerry. Um Oh, they just keep flying. I cannot keep up. But there's so many good ones. I thought it was going to be quite easy for me to pick one, but maybe I'm going to have to pick two. Uh, I'm scrolling all the way to find them. Here they keep coming here. Big Mac. Big Mac flavoured. Power and cream. Chalk and cheese. Fire. Charred pork and cheddar cheese. Um, hot dog mustard sauce flavour, please. Craig, with his address including postcode. Uh, chip flavour has to be straight and double anchovy. I've done that one. A uh, little expensive, power and crayfish. Surf and turf. Uh, sweet and spicy. Oh, I've got to read that one. I think I've got to them all. Oh, I probably missed some because I was going so damn fast. But back to the sport. 
Uh, can you tell me, is the ANZ ad based on Ruchin Ravindra? Cheers. I've wondered that myself. Um, Samir, no, what's his name? Um, you know the one, Robbie, where the dad measures his height and... I do know the one. I, th- I he, think Samir, you're right. He, he wins a New Zealand shirt and he gives it to his dad and he replaces the Indian mm. shirt. Some, I wonder, eh? My, gu- my gut says no. I think it's just meant to be general. Yeah. Did Ratchin revert? Was he born in New Zealand? Um, I know Grant Elliott said that he saw him in the nets in Wellington when uh, Ratchin was five, when Grant Elliott was captain of the Firebirds. Um, yeah, born in Wellington. Born in Wellington. Yeah. It's a nice parallel, though, Texter, isn't it? Uh, another chip flavour. What about pulled pork? Like it. Like it, Zade. Uh, from Nick P. Staff, how can you argue with any of those comments from the Irish uh, breakdown show? I just think their game plan will be so much better than ours. I'm lost for areas we can be better than them. I am too. I do think the meat fire with fire comment that we had earlier is appropriate, which is what we did. I keep referring back to see, I keep referring back to that game at Go Media Stadium Mount Smart when the All Blacks played the Springboks. But that's one game in the last 10. One game in the light last 10. <laughs> I've just read a chip flavour. <laughs> Robbie, can I read that? Don't put it on me. Uh, Something to do with the Ramfley Shield flavour. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Ramfley Shield flavour. Yeah. And... No, I can't say. Very funny, though. Yes, but I keep referring back to that game, but that was one game where we just got it right. And it was, while I say it was Shannon Frizzell led, we need someone to do that, whether it's Shannon Frizzell. Adi Savia does it all the time, but we just need collective muscle. We can do it. But Ireland just seemed to have so many answers for me. So many answers. Uh, Bluff oyster, white bait, and the ale of your choice. Mm. A chip containing a whiff of liniment, horse sweat, and DB export lager. The rugby racing and beer indulgent chip. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Snapper and Thousand Island sauce. I can't read the Ramfilly Shield run, but I do like your humour. Uh, chip flavour, KFC chicken mixed with McChicken from McDonald's and Domino's pizza in double bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> There is a lot going on in that flavour, Zaid. That's why you're the life member. Um, if you whew, if you miss the cricket, if you miss the cricket, another dominating performance by the Black Caps. I guess expected. I did see someone say it was a bit of a banana skin game against the Netherlands, uh, having beaten England in our opening one. But we are now top of the table. Top of the table, Um with our win over the Netherlands, 322 for seven. We made, pretty much beat them by 100, so our run rate is deluxe. Actually, let me have a let me have a look at the run rate because you don't necessarily need it, but you might. Just a tick under two through two games. Interesting thing about the run rate, Steph. Um, it was 2.3 after we beat England. <laughs> so It's dropped. Yeah. South Africa are on two because they absolutely had a walloping in their first match, didn't they? Um, But incredible game once again 
by the Black Caps. Uh, Noish Sodi again, I think. So is he injured or just not selected, Robbie? I think he's just not been selected, um, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess they're they're basically they're stacking the batting slightly, um, basically sending the message that I mean, Santner's not a part time. He's more of a bowling all rounder these days. Although mm. he had a um, bit of a fly with the bat as well. Um, but yeah, we're um, they're just sending a message that they think our part timers can do the job, I guess, and they're, uh, yeah, got a few paces down the order as well. So Conway made 32, Will Young 70, uh, Rachin Ravinder, <coughs> Ravindra 51 off 51. Daryl Mitchell gets a turn at the crease, 48, good nick. Tom Latham, 53, good nick. Phillips and Chapman, just single figures. Uh, four off four with one four. Glenn Phillips, Mitch Santner, 36 off 17. And even old Matt Henry, 10 off four. Only one that didn't bat was Lockie Ferguson and Trent Bolt. Um, so fantastic from them. Bowling figures had to go past Mitch Santner, five for 59 off his 10 overs. Matt Henry, he's just, he is Mr. Darcy. Uh, eight overs, three wickets for 40 runs. Trent Bolt, economical, none for 34. Lockie Ferguson, pretty good too, none for 32. Rutchen with a wicket and uh, Glenn Phillips just turned his arm over for two overs. So pretty good display. It does look like if we win tosses, we're going to chase and back our batting depth to chase down pretty much anything. We're going to talk to Mitch McLennigan very, very soon, who's been up all night commentating. Uh, He's texted me and he's awake. So what we thought we'd do, we'll bring you um, just some highlights of the Black Caps against Netherlands to keep you up to date. Now he's hit that beautifully, and that will be the first six. Get around and chase that down. He's quite wide down there at long on. One way down the wicket and 40 metres over the ropes. Yes! Now this could be out. Yes! yes. Reaction of the bowler. Yes. Your sixth half century in one day internationals for Will Young. Oh, that's a sublime stroke. Effortless. There's a chance caught at mid-on. Put the pace off it. And Mitchell collared it. Touch a charge and given. Yes, a lovely piece of work from Edwards. Boom. Maybe premeditated. Wasn't short enough. Gone. Another one bites the dust. Now this is turning out to be interesting. Straight up. Should be taken. It is taken. Really good catch. Roll of Funder Merva. Oh wow. Tom Latham goes bang over mid-wicket. Got lead. Latham 50. Oh, swing and a miss. Lovely bowling. Really good. Comes to a close. Out 53. Oh, gets that wrong. And Satner gets it right. He'll get a free hit as well, I think. Oh, wow. That's gone as well. That is gone as well. So great finish from Satner. Gone full and straight past him. Into off stump. And New Zealand have their first. And Matt Henry, yes. Matt Henry has done it again. Yes! Yes, he's adjusted his line. Oh, brilliant. From Trent Bolt, and we know that he has a history in and around the boundary markers. He's over mid wicket or wideish long on. 
for half a dozen. I reckon that's three run-out opportunities. Oh, there's another one here. Oh, that's just a crazy mix-up. Absolute gift for New Zealand. They did not deserve. Half-century for Ackerman. Gone. Straight to the fielder. Well, he's gone for it. Good connection. He's gone up. And he's called it. The bowler. The good catcher. Another one. Well, that one is probably a tougher chance. What about that one then? What about yes? Straight to the man. It's Conway and he takes a very good catch. Made it look easy. And that will wrap things up. Henry rips a Yorker through. Arian ducked. Great news I've heard from the Bluebird Chip people. They're very keen to hear your flavours, so I'm taking photos of all of these. Currently doing it right now. All of these flavours that you're suggesting and uh, sending it to them. Imagine if yours came out on top. Imagine it. Someone's put, I'm so tough I eat plain chips without salt. <laughs> it's Crusader. <laughs> um, beef taco. Uh, Kempi said, to beat the rush defence... You don't go around it or you go through the rush defence, not around it or over it. Geordie and Rico bashing it all day. And I remember back last week in our Rugby World Cup headline hour, we mentioned Ronan O'Gara and they asked him how you beat it. And he said short passes and run at little gaps and get your arms free. Whereas the All Blacks try and go round. We just can't. We just can't. Hopefully we'll see something. Very excited for the game. Uh, very excited to talk to Mitch McLennigan too, uh, former Black Cap bowler. He's been covering the game, I think, for ESPN, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's woken up. He's ready to have a chat to us about that magnificent display and what he's seen from the Black Cap so far. So Mitch McLennigan after this break. Let's link up uh, with a great man who's not long been awake, which is uh, which is great. So we've got him fresh, probably the first conversation he's had today, uh, except for himself in the mirror. Mitch McLennigan, welcome in. Hello, hey, mate. Uh, just uh, tell you what, mate. I know we all love a bit of shape shifted, but when is the when's the run home going to change up the theme song, mate? Oh. I need something new when I'm listening to waiting on the phone listening to talk to you, bud. <laughs> Shape shifter. Oh, look, it's been going two and a bit years. Yeah, they need to change it up. Let's be honest. Let's start a petition. Um, very first important question, favourite flavoured chips? Mitch. Oh, look, I'm uh, a salt and vinegar, mate. Sorry, pretty stock standard. That's all right. Bluebird thick cut chips, ultimate. Epic salt and vinegar, new chip out. That's for you. Thick cut, <laughs> crunchy for blokes. Um, <laughs> Um, I said I was getting quite excited about the Black Capes and I've just had a text from Joey saying, come on, Steph, who have we played? England and Holland. Hardly can't really get excited about it, but England are the defending champs. Are we guardedly excited about the start? Well, first and foremost, England are the defending champions and they've been the dominant side around world cricket for, for the last probably five, six years, if we're going to be completely honest. And I think we just caught them on the hop. I think they were a bit complacent in how they went about the game against New Zealand. It kind of just got out in ways that, you know, it just seemed bizarre. And, and I think that was kind of the approach that New Zealand had last night against the Netherlands. Conway, a very un-Conway-like shot, um, almost looked like he just thought it was going to be too easy to score some runs after the good start they had with Will Young. So... Look, uh, yes, we've, we've played England. I think that was a good performance, good start to the tournament. Netherlands, just 
don't have the right setup for for playing against the biggest side. So really need to be looking to to bat first and try and defend whatever title they they get. Because anyone who was watching last night would have seen how good they are in the field and and putting pressure on. And they're just going around it, about it the wrong way. And it kind of played into the Black Caps' hands and and what was probably a lacklustre performance from the Black Caps. I think the two the two that I was really pleased with last night, Mitch, was Will Young, after getting sawn off for a duck in his first match, came back and scored 70. But also the repeat performance by Ruchin Ravindra to show he's got the mental fortitude to kick on, not celebrate too much with, with the beginnings, getting another half century. Yeah, I'll touch on Will Young first. I, I think the way Will Young applied himself in Bangladesh in really difficult conditions um, was exemplary. I thought he was outstanding there. Um, and it was upsetting to kind of see him get that opportunity at the top order and, and get strangled down leg side, which which is a lucky wicket for Sam Curran. And then everyone starts talking about him being replaced by Ratchan Ravindra at the top of the innings. Yep, Ratchan played exceptionally well. But Will, Will Young's done his time, average 40 uh, for the last couple of years, been waiting in the wings for Finn Allen to fail and, and took his opportunity in Bangladesh and in, in the UK. So it was nice to see him bounce back. Uh, and there was a bit of chat on the commentary about his dismissal. He was trying to force something. But what I liked about it was that he was actually trying to increase the scoring rate at that point in the game. He wasn't thinking about personal milestones. And he was trying to up the rate because he knew he had some good batsmen behind us, behind him. And, and that's what Kane Williamson used to do in, around that 2015 era, era. He used to get out between 50 and 70 because he was trying to up the ante. So... I thought the way he was trying to go about it, yes, he didn't get a big score in terms of getting that 100 that Rutschen did in the first game, but I thought he, his method and uh, uh, going about the game was what you want from an opener. And, and to touch on Rutschen, look, hey, that's absolutely brilliant that he, he did what he did and he backed it up. And um, he looked calm. He looked really calm. He looked experienced beyond his years at the crease. Um, I was very impressed. And... Spanner throws in the works now is, is with Kane Williamson looking likely to be back against Bangladesh. He'll slot straight back into that number three spot, but I think Williamson needs to stay at the top for now, at least maybe until at least halfway through the tournament. I think he deserves that opportunity. But what Rutchen showed me last night was he came in at a position where the game was at a point where maybe a number four would be coming into the game and and I thought he showed the adaptability with his batting style um, to maybe bat at four and slide everyone down. Um, maybe have Tom Latham come in at five and Daryl Mitchell bat at six because if you're going to run a lineup with no Jimmy Neesham, you're going to have to have someone who's got some power at the end. And, and Daryl Mitchell and Glenn Phillips at the back end of an innings is a really nice combination if you're not going to play Neesham. With Kane Williamson coming back then, and probably Tim Southey at some stage again, is it most likely that Chapman's the unfortunate orange pip that gets spat out? Yeah, I think he is. I think his opportunity was last night to, to bank bank a score in quick time to, to really put some pressure on Gary Stead and, and Kane and Tom Latham to, to keep him in the side and, and maybe even look at dropping Will Young and, and keeping Rutchen at the top, but uh, wasn't to be, and that's the nature of professional sport. When you get an opportunity like he had last night with 10 overs to go, you've really got to capitalise on it. So I think you're right. I think he'll be the guy to miss out. 
Uh, the Tim Southey one's interesting. I don't think um, if you've been an avid watcher of New Zealand cricket over the past couple of years, uh, I think Tim Southey's been good in T20 cricket. In one-day cricket, if he's not opening the bowling, he's, uh, his potency at first change is, is not as effective. And I think Henry, Matt Henry again showed with back-to-back threefers that he's the man at the top of the innings who's, who's, the, who's set in that opening partnership with Trent Bolt. And so how does Saudi get in the team? Well, he's going to get in, have to get in ahead of Lockie Ferguson, who numbers-wise hasn't been great over the last couple of years. And Bangladesh was there. I watched him. He bowled quick, he bowled fast. But last night he was, he was considerably down on pace and, you know, I'm hoping that he was holding himself back a little bit because of that niggle he had, uh, which ruled him out of the first game. But it wasn't good signs if you're looking for that explosive first change bowler. Lockie Ferguson was bowling 135, to fastball was 140. We usually expect to see him bowling 145 to, to 150, and that's the difference that we need in this side as this World Cup goes on. So maybe Tim Southey does get an opportunity. Uh, in this next game, just to put Lockie Ferguson on ice and give him a bit more recovery time. But I, I feel like Lockie didn't play this game because he, he doesn't want to relinquish that spot and doesn't want to give Tim Southey a sniff because someone with Tim Southey's experience and his tactical nous wants to get an opportunity and, and will have an opportunity to try to keep Lockie out. I, I'd imagine he's going to take that opportunity. And would I be right in saying at a World Cup... Um well, in any sport, uh, sentiment or loyalty does have a place, but I do feel like, and trying to read between your lines, pace trumps experience. Well, it, do, it does on Indian wickets because there's some variable bounce, um, and uh, as this tournament goes on, there'll be some variable bounce, and the quicker you are, the more you can extract that variable bounce, um, just to force into the wicket, and and as well, if, if the top order, if, Tim Sat- uh, sorry, if Trent Bolt and Matt Henry can do their job and expose that middle order to Lockie Ferguson, middle order batsmen historically and lower order batsmen, they don't like pace. You know, they want the ball at, you know, that 130, 135 max, just to be able to hit through the line. It's not pushing them onto the back foot in that middle phase. So it's that scare factor as well, where out of nowhere you can actually change the game and, and, and that's what New Zealand cricket fans should be watching these next couple of games with a lot of interest and seeing how Lockie Ferguson goes because uh, it's such an important cog in the wheel if we're going to be successful uh, throughout this tournament. And just the last thing, Mitch, um, Kane Williamson, like none of us really know the extent of his damage. Uh, the medical people are saying this is a very quick return. Our next two games, Bangladesh, and Afghanistan, ones we should win. Uh, we should be 4-0 after our first four. First four. Do, do we risk him? Because the fifth game is India. Um, so your feeling is he'll play the next game or one of the next two before we take on India? I guess the nature of listening to the reports and, and all around the injury and that kind of stuff and how he got some swelling after the, uh, the warm-up games, I wonder if they'll look to play him against Bangladesh and sit him down against Afghanistan and just give him that extra little bit of time to recover because I feel the nature of it, if it is going to swell up and, and it's a quick turnaround, then you know you can compound that injury and that swelling. So 
maybe it was to play against Bangladesh and then we, we go back to the sides that we've, we've been playing in these first couple of games uh, when we play Afghanistan. But neither of those sides should be taken lightly. I mean, Bangladesh, with all the turmoil that's going on in their camp, no Taman Iqbal and the politics of Shaki Balasan, you know, they still have the ability and still have match winners who, in the right conditions, can challenge the Black Caps. And if the, if the Black Caps turn up like they did last night, a little bit low, well, what looked to be a little bit low in energy, a little bit low on intent um, and focus, then they're, they're the type of side who can trip you up. Afghanistan as well, I mean, they haven't got a great one-day cricket record, but in Indian conditions, uh, who knows? They've got world beaters in terms of Rashid Khan and, and the like. So... Yeah, I think they'll go all out with this one against Bangladesh with Kane in the in the forefront there. And, and then, jeez, uh, I hate to say it, but they might take Afghanistan a little bit more lightly than Bangladesh. And actually, we just had a text in from Josh asking to ask you about the lack of crowds at the grounds. We all hear that cricket's a religion in India, but no one's going to church. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's partly... Partly the fact that the, the schedule from the BCCI wasn't released early enough for um, a lot of your foreign fans to, to actually plan and, and book tickets. Um, and uh, if they were doing a trip overseas to see their team. So the fans from overseas who are there, uh, uh, the fans have had the ability just to, to drop, drop whatever they're doing at, at the drop of a hat and, and go over there and support their side. So that's been the disappointing part. The schedule hasn't been fixed. It's constantly changed uh, leading up to this World Cup, and that's disappointing for, for global fans. But locally, mate, ticket prices are far too expensive, far too expensive for, for what the local fans can afford. And, and, and they're only going to shell that kind of money out to, to be part of an experience of, of what the locals will be hoping is, is an India World Cup win. So it's unfortunate. Will they change the ticket prices to make it look better on the TV? Look, I don't think they will. I think they'll just take it on the chin that the world's kind of watching and, and looking at these empty stadiums. I don't think they really care outside the Indian games. So I think it just is what it is. We're just going to have to get used to it and just hope the camera's not on the crowd too much and it's on the good cricket in the middle. <laughs> Interestingly, I went on the ticketing website when uh, New Zealand played England and they were lining up for the anthems in a completely empty stadium. So I went on the ticketing website and there was a message there said, stadium filling fast, get your tickets now. <laughs> it's just bollocks. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, you do, do yourself a, I won't try and quote a number, but the average income in, in India is, is probably almost as much as one of the tickets in some of these um, cases. So, mm. uh, you know, that's, those are the numbers that we're working with, which is the disappointing part. It should be a, should be a cricket festival. It shouldn't be uh, trying to exclude anyone from being able to go and see, see the games, particularly the games that are not involving India. Brilliant. Okay, Mitch, great chatting, buddy. Um, enjoy uh, living the nocturnal lifestyle during the World Cup. Cheers, mate. We'll do. Catch up. There he is, Mitch again joining us on the Cricket World Cup. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll come back after that with Brendan Popperwell. Well, he's a cricket fan. He's a rugby fan. He's a racing fan. Probably a beer fan. I don't know. Possibly the odd Waikato draft. Brendan Popperwell joins us. Pops. <laughs> we're in amongst that. It's a Tuesday, but we're just surrounded by so much sport. Uh, we're in the middle of the Cricket World Cup, the Rugby World Cup. 
Um, there's a lot going on, mate. There's a lot going on. Just spoke to Mitch McLennigan. Cautiously buoyant, I think, New Zealand are in this Cricket World Cup. Yeah, and I think so we should be uh, with what we've seen so far, Staff. Uh, that win against England was amazing. Uh, our, our depth looks to be there, and you've got to remember, too, we haven't done this with Kane Williamson either, sitting on the sidelines, and when will he play and who will play? Uh, what place will he take? I guess with Will Young scoring runs last night, uh, he certainly made a case to say that he should be the opening batsman. And, and when you look at previous teams as well, Steph, we have given rope to a lot of players to, to say that they, you know, they deserved their spot. And Will Young, yes, he had a failure against England, but he showed why he's in the team. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they stick with Will Young, to be honest with you. Um, some matches coming up soon. Thursday one's an interesting one for me. Australia taking on South Africa. Australia mm. disappointing. South Africa brilliant. Uh, but Australia, I've been told, are the favourites. They are. They're $1.68 in South Africa at $2.15. Already we've seen money for South Africa uh, in this match at that quote of $2.15. I mean, they were belligerent against uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, they post 400 plus. I think it was about 429. Uh, Sri Lanka gave it a good nudge, but they were just brutal with their batting performance. Where Australia, where I guess they'll look at that game and think of uh, where they were sitting. They batted well for the first part of that match, and then they fell apart. Uh, and potentially could have had India 4 for 20 uh, had Mitchell Marsh caught Virat Kohli. So that game was uh, in, in the balance there for Australia, and then they ended up uh, losing it quite heavily. So, yep, a little bit of some money for South Africa there, Steph. Uh, the two games tonight, England-Bangladesh, uh, England 117, very popular through multis. We've seen uh, a couple of thousand-dollar bets on the, the English at seventeen to turn it around. And, of course, Pakistan playing Sri Lanka, uh, the money here has been for Pakistan around 87% of our bets so far in this one of, uh, with them to beat Sri Lanka tonight. Uh, the World Cup of Domestic Rugby is on this weekend. Uh, interestingly, Hawks Bay went to Wellington two weeks ago, took the shield off them. Uh, enough said about the aftermath, the better. Um, no, no, no need to discuss. But Hawks Bay are hefty underdogs to go and repeat. Look, they are. I guess they know how to do it. Uh, they know how to go and, and beat Wellington, so that, that's going to be in their favour. Uh, they, they were gritty against Bay of Plenty as well in a game where there was a lot of points last week. We have seen some money for Wellington, though. I, I will say at the dollar thirty-three, they've been very well supported. They've been supported in the one to twelve line and in the thirteen and over line as well. But where we have seen support for Hawks Bay has been in their point start, we, uh, the, the plus eight and a half. Uh, is where the Hawks Bay support has been, where they sit at a dollar and eighty cents, and of course the other game, which is uh, Canterbury uh, Taranaki versus Canterbury, uh, the Naki two fifteen and, and Canterbury one seventy five, real fifty fifty split here in terms of money spent in this match so far. Yeah, I was t- we had Neil Barnes, the head coach of Taranaki, on. Uh, yesterday, and just from memory, I went through their results. I think they were only beaten by one point against Canterbury. I, I, I think that's the the semi um, the semi that's up in the air. I do slightly favour Wellington over Hawks Bay. Um, not saying that's yep. what I want to happen, but Taranaki have been. I think they went four wins, three losses, four wins. So let's hope mm. it's not four as their stumbling block and uh, they can get Canterbury. Uh, Rugby World Cup, though, we're going to keep an eye on this every single day. Um, just I, I, I can't remember a game I've looked forward to more than All Blacks Island because if we win, we're going to be magnificent, I think. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, Lions tours and those sort of tours that, that when we have here, when we've had, you know, even Ida last year, uh, that, that was uh, a series we couldn't wait for. But we knew that the quarterfinal was going to be a blockbuster. Uh, if it was either Ireland or South Africa, and uh, Ireland it is. I can tell you what, staff, the money for the All Blacks, it was always going to be there because the price that they're at. We've spoken about this a couple of weeks ago. They were always going to be the outsiders in this match, and that meant it was going to drag in those punters towards the All Blacks. The price has done exactly that. So far, we've seen 67% of our betting in this match on the All Blacks at the $2. We've had two heavy investments on them, $4,000 at the $2.00. And then two and a half thousand dollars on the All Blacks uh, at two dollars. The most popular bet so far in this match is All Blacks to win thirteen and over <laughs> at five dollars and fifty cents. So uh, the punters out there, they're not con- too concerned. And they're just loading up uh, on, on All Blacks to, for for a, a, quite a tasty victory uh, against Ireland. What what are we worried about? Ireland? Come on, uh, that's that's what the punters are saying. The best <laughs> bet we've had on Ireland. Is uh, we've had three one thousand dollar bets on Ireland at a dollar eighty. Wow! Four of the last six Ireland have won, and mm. the All Blacks have never won as an underdog. How about that for a stat? <laughs> wow! And, and look, <laughs> and they've been <laughs> you, underdog you, you, four you, times since nineteen ninety six. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, Look, you'd have to be a brave man, and you'd have to hope that they, or all women, to have a bet on this game on the All Blacks with that sort of money, uh, what we've seen so far through the Rugby World Cup, because Ireland are not a good team. They're, a very, they're very much a great team that are on, on, on track. So, um, yeah, good luck. Good luck. I can't wait for it, because what will, all, what will the All Blacks do differently, staff, to try and win this one? What have they got in the, in the locker bag? to provide something a little bit different to beat Ireland. Mm, Exactly. A couple other games I want to touch on. Fiji, England. Um, Fiji will be disappointed yesterday, and it just sort of raised Mm. the question in my head, Brennan, have they they run their race? They've had two two or three massive games. Um, Now they're into the quarters, but England have failed to impress me as well. Where's money going in this battle? England, yeah, the money is with England. I I guess Fiji, they've always been the underdog, haven't they? And that game... You know, the expectation was for them to win and to win rather easily uh, against Portugal. And maybe they thought about it too much and, and knew what was coming up. But it's a hard read. It's a very hard read with what, what's happened with Fiji because two weeks ago there were punters trying to back them to win the whole thing. Uh, so now they're $3 outsiders against England. Uh, so far, we've seen about 80% of our money actually on England at $1.40. Uh, I guess all the punters out there are waiting to see if there's any sort of drop goal bet in this match. Now that it's got uh, to a point where it's going to be a knockout, surely England are going to provide some drop goals for punters out there. So maybe look out for that option when it does uh, go live. First uh, scoring play in the match, England drop goal. Uh, England, uh, sorry, France, South Africa. Now, this is the other one that we, that we need to talk about as well, Steph. Yes, because please. This is a match where we've seen so far uh, 64% of our betting on South Africa uh, at the $2 price. So again, a little bit like the All Blacks, maybe the price is drawing in the punters, uh, but so far the early line in the sand is is money towards the box. Jeez, there's some good footy. There's some good footy. Pops, uh, absolutely love it. And you're going to get peppered with World Cup questions and World Cup odds over the next few weeks because it's so damn exciting. I really appreciate your time, buddy. All good stuff. Cheers, man. There he is. Oh, little uh, thick cut, big crunch, big taste, ultimate barbecue rib chip in the back of my throat. I'm going to announce the chip winner before two.
I've just decided I'm going to announce the chip winner before two. Um, and I'm also, there's been an announcement on Super Rugby Opiki for women. So I'll bring you those details as well. But always good to catch up with Brenda Popple at the TAB. Visit tab.co.nz or download the app. Um, and they've got a France 23 hub. I wonder if that's because you're not allowed to call it World Cup. I bet you that's what it is. There'll be a copyright on the name World Cup. So you have to call it France 23. Same as Beijing Athletics. When the Olympics was on, you weren't allowed to call it the Olympics. But all of the odds are there for you in the Rugby World Cup. Outright market, France $4, Ireland $4, New Zealand four fifty, South Africa four fifty. Write your ticket, the rest. All on the same side of the draw. And I'm keeping an eye out for the um, referee appointments as well. So as soon as we see those, probably won't be today because it's the middle of night over there, but we'll hopefully have them for you tomorrow. Uh, we shall take a break. Uh, New Zealand Rugby's revealed a new format for Super Rugby Opiki in 24 and 5 and confirmed pay rises as well. Uh, Australian teams will not be incorporated, but they're going to increase the number of rounds to six before a grand final between the top two sides. So they can play up to seven matches next season if you make the final after having a maximum of five in this year's competition. The regular regular rounds will start next March and a round-robin format with the matches being played home and away. Uh, player payments for non-Black Ferns will increase to a minimum of 17000 a season, and the top Black Ferns will be earning approximately 130000 per annum. Super Rugby teams will be contracting up to 30 players who will be paid for an eight-week individual programme ahead of their four-week pre-season, which includes two pre-season matches. Of course, the teams are the Blues, the Chiefs, Manawa, Hurricanes, Poa and Matatu from the South Island. Squads will be finalised next month. Um, competition expanded to five weekends of matches last year. I think the first year was just three weekends, including semi semi-finals and a final round. Uh, but it's just going to go home and away, and then the top two play the final. It's great for women's rugby. Fantastic, probably overdue. Um, yes, I like it. I like it. Uh, text messages. Have I got time? Yes, I got time. G'day, staff. We're up against a very intelligent Irish brains trust. We are far too predictable. At halfback and fullback, which will be heavily targeted. Not helping Richie. He looks a bit indecisive. Got to get the bench right with Roy Gard and McKenzie. Cheers, Brian. And they may be forced to go to them too early too, eh, Brian? Hey, staff, I don't want to sound negative, uh, but I love all the talk banter in regards to the All Blacks Island this weekend, but I think we know who will decide the game this weekend. The new star of international rugby, team referee. <laughs> Hope I'm wrong. Up the ABs, Jason Pangare. I'm looking forward to finding out who the referee is. Am I looking forward to it? India is doing a great job of sabotaging the 50-over game with the empty stadiums, thus clearing the way for T20 to take over as the predominant format. Craig! Conspiracy theory, but geez, you might be right. Barbecue lamb, barbecue lamb's tail and mint for the chips for me. Pork belly and apple sauce chips from Chris. Blue cod and lemon pepper chips for me. Uh, I can see the Black Pit Caps are building a very good local fan base in their games. They are. I hope so, they are. Right, break. Chip announcement of winners after this. Rightio, the winners of the Bluebird Thick Cut Chips. Big crunch, big taste. Get your laughing gear around the salted, the ultimate barbecue ribs, which we've been dining on, and the epic salt and vinegar. Right, most original. 
You win a box of 12 big packs. Is Richard, a chip containing a whiff of liniment, horse sweat, and DB Export Lager, the rugby racing and beer indulgent chip. I wouldn't want to eat it, but it is the most original word on Richard. And then it was hard to pick my favourite one that I would like. It's between three. There is the sweet and spicy hoisin roast duck chip. <clears throat> there is the salted caramel, sweet but salty. And there is the garlic butter barbecue prawns, which was one of the first ones in. I'm between those three. So you all get a box. We'll give it away four boxes. <laughs> but there were so many good ones. There were so many good ones. And uh, thank you so much. We'll do some more. We'll do some more. I've got more boxes. We'll do some more. Not on chip flavours. I'm going to test you, test you on different things over the coming couple of weeks. So well done to Richard and the other three. So Richard was the liniment one. The other three haven't got your names. So Robbie's going to give you all a call shortly. Get your addresses and we'll courier them out to you. Well done all. Well done all. We're going Heartland Rugby after this. Jared Ross loves the Heartland. Dad was an All Black. Brother was an All Black. Jared played for the Mighty Men of Mid. He's entrenched in it. Heartland semis are this weekend. We'll chat after the break. Let's go to the Heartland. A lot of people's favourite part in New Zealand. Just leave State Highway 1 or just veer off and get into the Heartland. They provide some wonderful rugby union. They do. And Jonix, the man who loves the Heartland rugby, has played it, has watched it, has commentated it, has analysed it. He's joining us now. Long time between drinks. Jared Ross joins us. G'day, Jared. It is, Steph. I'm getting a bit thirsty. <laughs> Me too, mate. Me too. Um, what should we do first? Let's do the Meads semi, uh, semi-final winners. Wanganui comfortably over Thames Valley and South Canterbury. They were pushed for a while against the East Coast, but um, Whanganui, South Canterbury, what a match-up for the final. Oh, it absolutely is going to be. And from all accounts, South Canterbury were pretty lucky. It was pretty close for a while against East Coast. I don't know whether that East Coast tucker might have scared the South Canary boys a bit, or but there's a bit of emotion there, but they came out on top in the end. They did. They were leading 17-3, I make it, and then they got a yellow card, gave up a try uh, for Fili Lavava, yellow card, and then um, South Canterbury tracked on a truckload of points. Are, are they as dominant as... Uh, they're on a an incredible win streak. Are they as good as they have been the last two seasons, South Canterbury? Oh, I think so. Nigel Walsh has built a pretty good team culture down there, and that was evident in their Anfield Shield challenge. Um, was pretty, and then it was a pretty. That was a pretty good game, and they've just been yeah building, and um, they've got every right to be in the final. And I've got a wee bit of a wedge on them, so I'm hoping they're actually going to beat the Butcher Boys this week. Yeah, the Butcher Boys I'm scanning through the season haven't played South Canterbury, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, it's a bit unknown each team. It is because you don't know really what to expect. It's always quite good if you actually played a team. You sort of know what's going to, what that player may do or not do. But if you haven't played them and there's a few new fresh faces, it's a bit of the unknown for both teams. What's the magic of Nigel Walsh and what he's got down there at South Canterbury? Oh, I don't really know, Steph. It's just maybe a bit of the same as what Rage has got here at the Crusaders, maybe. I don't know whether they've been sharing the same bottle or something, but <laughs> it's just a yeah, a good team culture. And he's like Nigel Walsh has got a very good 
coaching record. He's coached for a long, long time. He's coached North Otago. He's coach of the Heartland team. So he's no fool, as some would say. Uh, incredibly, Poverty Bay and West Coast both won away, finishing 7th and 8th. They both both won away. Uh, regular season, Poverty Bay had only won two games and lost six, and um, they find themselves in a semi-final. Um, sorry, in the, into the final. Poverty Bay squeaking over North Otago and West Coast squeaking over Wairapa Bush. The bottom half of that table is really close. Yeah, well, one of those losses Poverty Bay had was against Mid-Canterbury, and we were pretty much well off the pace this year. And I, yeah, I was, for all money, thought Warrior Bush, after watching them play here last, said they would have been a bit West Coast, very good, very well coached by Sean Cuttance. Uh, and they've, yeah, obviously had a pretty good season too. And to play a final over there at John Sturgeon Park will be a great thing for the West Coast uh, people to go along and have a look. It looks like um, the depth's still good in Heartland Rugby. The, I watched a bit of it on Main Freight, uh, admittedly not full games, but the highlights. Um, the the public, the crowds in the regional areas of New Zealand still really do support this Heartland comp. Yeah, I think, look, we had a few players out of Christchurch. I'm led to believe that West Coast have probably got a few out of the Christchurch competition as well. But that just helps bolster these teams and it's great look I've really enjoyed going along albeit our results haven't quite gone the way we wanted this year but just going down to the local park on a Saturday and having a beer and a bit of a feed and watching the team play is a great way to fill on a Saturday and I bet you it's not $12 beers and $9 pies Jared. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Righto, let's let's try and nut out our winners. I know you, you've got some coin on South Canterbury to beat Whanganui. How much of an upset would it be if uh, Whanganui could go down and tip them over? Oh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a... I don't think it would be a major upset, but I think South Canterbury have got to be a favourite. So they've been the short odds to win the Meads Cup right from the start of the season. Um, but like anything can happen. Look at what happened with Portugal, Fiji yesterday. Who would have, you know, who would have picked that? Portugal paying ten dollars to win. I mean, what you would have got on that? So it's not. Look, it's not out of the realms of possibility. But it's a big travel day the day before for the Wanganui boys, um, and same with Poverty Bay to get over to Grey Mountain. Is that a factor, or some would say it's better than um, working, having a day travelling? But does that factor? You look at Poverty Bay. They they came down and played on the They've already been travelling week to get home. They've got to do it all over again. Um, is that a factor? Maybe it is. Um, someone's just texted in, Jared, and I don't know the answer. Do players in Heartland, um, do, is there any professionalism in Heartland? Do some players get paid or is it just match day expenses? How does that all work? Well, those things have changed, which seems like a lifetime ago. And I had a couple of seasons in the Canterbury. I think we were 100 bucks a game or something like that. So it could be, it might be 250. I'm not, yeah, not sure. But there is, there would be expenses plus, um, you know, you've got to get paid. Look, you know, you get, you're an employee, you get four weeks off a year and you've got to, you know, travel. You've got to take a Friday off, off work. Um, if you win, you're probably going to take Monday and Tuesday off as well. Um, so that feeds into your annual leave. So it's got to be some, Compensation. Mm. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I would lead to believe there would be, but what exact that figure is, I'm not sure. 
and, and while um, New Zealand rugby cops a bit, I remember last year I was down in Buller and emceeing a fundraiser down there, a fantastic province, fantastic rugby club. And I talked to their CEO and he said he was pretty happy with things, you know, he just had a couple of staff. Um, it's a small population, so they don't have lots and lots of clubs. Are you are you happy with how the Heartland's running? And um, I, I know you don't know across all the financials of it, but are there any obvious tweaks you'd like to see to the Heartland? I'd like the away teams to stay the night in that local town, like Wyatt the Bush boys. They flew out of Timaru nine o'clock mm. last Saturday night instead of staying. Thing. And you know the local place putting a bit of money, money over the local bars and drinking establishments in that local town and um, winding a few of the local lasses up, for want of a better word, <laughs> and um, <laughs> having a good a good night away away in a different town and just meeting, you know, going out with the opposition and getting um, having a few beers, getting to know them. But just more often than not now, that just doesn't seem to happen and. That was a classic example of why for Bush charter flight flying back out of um, Timaru last Saturday night at 8 o'clock. So at the time they got back into Masterton, it would have been midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. And and is that a cost thing? Because I guess there's... Well, I, yeah, I think it is. And we had the charter, I think, yeah, like what happened was the plane, I think South Canterbury were playing maybe Poverty Bay or something in North Island. And they, they were on the plane that flew back to Timaru. I mean, that plane took Wyatt Bush back to Wellington. So it's things like that that are a bit, um, I think, you know, it's, it seems to be all about the purse strings, but that's the rugby is, you know, that's how you meet so many people and staying in a different town and you get to know your opposition by going out and having a few drinks with them after you've slugged it out with them on the field. Yeah, I agree. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's in good heart. And so pick some winners for me. South Canterbury by how many? It'll be close, I think, 1 to 12. Okay. West Coast Poverty Bay. Oh, coin flip. Yeah, I just think West Coast will be too strong. I said they're at the home ground. John, you know, you've, what more motivation do you need than having a legend like John Sturgeon on the sideline playing on his park to, you know, do it, do it for a man of what he's done for New Zealand rugby? You don't need any more motivating than that, I would have thought. Yeah, brilliant. All right, Jared, bloody good to catch up with you, mate. Absolutely, anytime. Cheers, buddy. There he is, Jared Ross. Ahead, yeah. uh, see you, mate. Ahead uh, of the Heartland Championship final, the Meads final is Saturday two o five. Yeah, Saturday October fourteen two o five. Uh, South Canterbury, uh, Wanganui at the Tamuka Domain. Oh, we've got some good listeners down in Tamuka. Um, and the other one, West Coast, uh, John Sturgeon Park, Greymouth, that is on Sunday at 2 o'clock. So a couple of 2 o'clock games, and they will, doesn't say here, but I'm pretty sure they will be live on uh, Sky Sport. Live on Sky Sport. Um, about to break a new record here. Are we? No, we've had a phone call. I was going to say first show ever we haven't had a phone call, but we had a phone call earlier on. So I'm going to chuck the lines open. I want to hear about your thoughts. I've had a lot of text messages on the Tampa Bear Post text machine. Um, your thoughts on All Blacks Island this, this, this far out? I think everyone, in fact, we've had someone just text, well, they text it through a while. I've been saving it. And it's Brad saying this will be our team. DeGroote, Taylor, Lomax, a fit. Uh, Retallical, Whitelock. Uh, Barrett, Frizzell, Kane, Barrett, 
Frizzell Kane Savia, yep, Smith Moonga, Talia, Barrett Yoani, Jordan McKenzie, McKenzie, Coles, Newell, the other one of Whitelock, Rosalic, Jacobson, Roygaard, Barrett, and then a bracket around Fayonuku, Papali, Elena Brett. Just watched I just watched Lester Fayonuku score a try in some sort of little highlights package. I think we need him to play against Ireland with that punishing, abrasive, nonu-esque type attack to meet fire with fire. I've sort of been okay with Jordan and Talia, but just that extra bulk, eh? Just that extra bulk. Now, I can see Mikey's called up from Christchurch. I don't know whether he's going to come on and talk to me or whether or what. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Because I couldn't see you, Robbie. I couldn't see you. So, Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> G'day. I was only going to ring up if we were allowed to, so I was just holding my, <laughs> holding my fire. <laughs> um, yes, we do. I, uh, when are they naming that team? Is it tomorrow or... Um, when's the game? Sunday morning? So it's normally 48 hours. So it's probably Friday morning. Oh, I'd like to see Leicester in the 23. Yeah. Along with Damien. The, you know, we, it's the same thing I've been saying every week. Um, just very quickly, um, I'm glad Ken didn't come down to Christchurch on the weekend because <laughs> uh, he would have wasted his money. So I hope he uses those funds in, in France and what a great trip that is. Um, and also... Watching RTS, did we? Did New Zealand rugby and Auckland miss a trick not playing yes. the fullback? Yes, I was sitting there watching them last week, going, "This was a great opportunity that got away." I was watching that going, "This is what they're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just put them in the wrong position. Ah, oh, it's unreal. Two years of not figuring that one out. So there you go. Oh, um, crazy. <laughs> That, that Ireland game against uh, Scotland, I haven't had a chance to talk here, but that Ireland game against Scotland, for the first 60 minutes, actually for the whole game really, but for the first 60 minutes, I was going, all right, I'm going to try and work out a weakness in Ireland. Good luck. And I, <laughs> exactly. I saw nothing. And then I was like, okay, so is it because they're tired in the last 20 or is it because they just know they've won the game and taken their foot off the accelerator? Mm. And, and that really isn't how you're going to win a game, right? Um, there's been a lot of people ringing up talking about the psychological factor. I don't think I'll refer to us whatsoever, no. unless we really somehow put it on them in the first 10 or 20. So while I've heard a lot of like, oh, the All Blacks are going to win, or oh, the Ireland's going to win, what I would love to hear from your great callers, you know, Darren from Oz, uh, Dino, um, you know, uh, Graham from Marlborough, you know, Joey, tell me, not tell me why we're going to win, tell me how we're going to win. Mm. Because I need this. <laughs> I think I came into this. I, I think, came into this World Cup going. Sorry, I just, I just, just really quickly. I came to this World Cup going. We're not going to win, so I'm just going to enjoy the World Cup for what it is. But now we're at the pointy end. I desperately want to win. <laughs> yeah. So I'm freaking out. I want us to win hard out. So yeah, what do you think, Steffi? How are we going to do it? I think there's one weapon that hasn't been presented to Ireland for quite some time, and that's scoreboard pressure. They've been you know, they hold the lead and the other team's the dog and they go where they're told to go. If we can get a 15-point lead, whatever that looks like, more than two converted tries lead, and then Ireland will have to play under pressure, that that's the only thing they're not used to doing. So scoreboard pressure, and we, we talked about it earlier, I don't mind I don't mind Richie Moe getting three drop goals in the first 10 minutes and make Ireland look up at the duck egg on the scoreboard and us in double figures. 
I think scoreboard pressure is the one thing that hasn't been presented to them for quite some time. Yes, agreed. But for me, that's going to have to come in the first 20. It is. First 30, 20, 30, because we need to fire some shots. We need to fire big shots and then freak them out. And if a psychological factor is going to happen, it's going to happen when they go, oh, my God, it's happening to us again. Mm. You know, bring the demons back. Yeah, we have to play so far above what we've done so far. So after a try or there's the water break or whatever there's at the 20-minute mark, they look at each other and going, holy heck, they're playing awesome. We just need something like that. Not, I'm not talking about breaking defences and winning turnover ball. It's the psychological game now of Ireland because, man, um, they are fire. They are. They are. It's the best. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I hope your you callers come. I hope our callers come back with something because Let's I, find I, need, out. I need. I need it, man. I need it. Good on you, Mikey. <laughs> All right. Cheers, cheers, buddy. Right now. Thanks, mate. How? Okay, not why. Uh, no. Yeah, it's the how. How do we beat Ireland? How do we beat Ireland? Patiently excited about the upcoming test match. I think the All Blacks lads can get the job done. This is from Ollie in Wellington. Awaiting news of the referee. Hopefully the guy allows a bit more flow. Sadly, I feel it's a deciding factor. On a side note, I just purchased a place in the Manawatu. Moving in next month. You know what that means. Up the mighty turbos. Ollie, welcome to the club. Yes, Ollie. Go, boy. Um, Referee. Here's my prediction. Wayne Barnes will get our quarterfinal. Ben O'Keefe will get the France-South Africa final. And if the All Blacks aren't in the final, Wayne Barnes will get it. If England are in the final, Ben O'Keefe will get it. I think Wayne Barnes gets the final. The only reason he doesn't is if England make it, and they ain't making it. Are they? No, they're not. Give us a yell, 0800 150 Back shortly. Now that's telling, actually. Mikey said, I want to hear from the listeners how we're going to beat Ireland. Now, over 100 text messages on chip flavours. No phone calls on how we're going to beat Ireland. Does that mean because you don't know? Because <laughs> I, I bloody don't. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we have had got some text messages, though. Um, uh, have I read these ones? I just don't know where I've got up to. Uh, there's no point. Oh, there was no point playing Roger Tuivasa-Shek at fullback staff. This is from Greg. We could have had peak Christian Cullen lighting up Super Rugby and he'd be named right wing and Bowden Barrett would be named fullback by Foster. <laughs> I know what you're doing there. Afternoon, gentlemen. Dave O here from Cambridge. Uh, I would love to see Leicester at centre. Takes two or three to stop him and his offloads to both Barretts would create holes everywhere. Dave, yeah, I, the more I think about it, the more I want to see him included. Like even if he was on the wing running running an angle back, a 45-degree angle back, it's a defensive line. You see Moanga with the ball in his hand and Moanga coming in on an angle. Is he taking it off first five? Is he taking it off second five? Is he a decoy? Because he commands attention. I sort of want to see him there. I sort of want to see him there. Let's go to Bruce in Christchurch. G'day, Bruce. Mark Stafford, how are you, mate? Brilliant. Thank you, Bruce. Um, interesting ponder question, how mm. you beat them. Mm. I, I thought, let's go back a couple of years to um, Japan. I seem to remember we absolutely beat them up in that quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. We did. We were... 
I think I, in one of the press conferences, I didn't play the question, but yeah, four years ago we were up 36-0 or something like that before yep. Ireland scored. And when Ireland played Scotland this year, they were 36-0 before Scotland scored. Um, it's a big difference. Yeah, but... Scot- Scotland are brave and they, when they're in their home nations, they, they've always got a capable of pulling up a couple of good games but world worldwide recently they're not a they're really not a, a hugely worrying team I don't think Scotland mm. I, look Ireland have been building this for a long time they are a I guess you could say close to a complete team but they're you know they've got players in there six and 38 mm. goodness sake 38 I oh, know <laughs> If the All Blacks, if the All Blacks look at that tape from the last quarterfinal, that's all they've got to do. They, yeah. they simply have to man up and hit them with everything. They need to start well, they need to be accurate, and they need to want to win. They, they need to have the willpower. They really, the Irish will be desperate. They've never gone past the quarterfinal. That's got to be still in their head. As well as they've played in the last five years. The yeah. All Blacks have done it before. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading the names out on the, in this team. And, um, you know, there's a lot of players in this, this current squad that were in that, that team. Yeah, I think one of the Irish journos worked out this. 10 All Blacks and potentially four reserves. I don't, he didn't put names yep. to them. Something and, like that. And six Irish and two of their reserves remain. There you go. Mm. Well, but, and they've got a couple of, you know, they've got two or three um, niggling guys with injuries and things. So they're going to be taking a couple of risks uh, playing them. But, but they'll, yes, they're probably going to be desperate. Because if you were, um, you'd want to finally break the drought and get past it. But the All Blacks, they haven't shown a lot, and they're capable. They know they are. They just simply need to want it more. Mm. You know, every year they've pulled off a game like that where we've gone, shit, they're looking bad. There's no way they're going to do that, you know. And the coach is crap and all that sort of thing. And then out of nowhere, they absolutely spill their guts and die for the cause. They're going to want, they're going to need to feel like that. They shouldn't need motivating. Yeah, you've you've sort of brought up one of my most unfavourite phrases after learnings uh, in in rugby, and that is when a captain or a coach after a match says they wanted it more than us. If I hear that after yep. this match, I my well, my brain will explode. Well. Quite often it comes down to that. It, it absolutely you've got to be accurate, and you've got to be you've got to be hungrier. Yeah. Those fifty-fifty balls on the ground, those breakdown. You know, you've just got to make a difference, and they simply need to come off the field. All of the twenty-three players exhausted. Yeah. Nothing. Left. Crawling off the field, given everything. Yeah. And do. that's how I feel about it. And I think they will. Really? I think they will do that. I think they will crawl off the field. Um, I just hope the scoreboard is in our favour. Um, it's probably, 
the biggest uh, talked about or the most talked about quarterfinal in Rugby World Cup history, this one, I think? Maybe. Well, the world number one, who have never got out of quarterfinals, who beat us here last yep. year against the team that's won it the most. It's just, it's maybe it's because I'm a New Zealander. It's the biggest one we've been in. Johnny Sexton in that Scotland game, he had so much space and time. Yeah, he did. Unbelievable. He just played the tune he wanted to play. There's no way in hell that should happen. Yeah. No matter what you do, someone. And they've got to be careful of the ref, and they can't get cards. That, that's that's another thing. You, you know, know what? They I, know what the officials are doing. Yeah. What I'd like to they see. Just need to have, what I'd like to see a scrum, island ball, Adi Savia packs down at seven, and just goes at Johnny. Doesn't commit a foul or anything like that, but just make them think. Just go. Adi's on the open side, and as soon as the ball's out, he's just sprinting straight at Johnny Sexton. Make them think. Make them second guess. That's right. And do it early. Yes, yep. straight away, just to throw them. We've got to, we've got to be, got to be experimental. Great stuff, Bruce. You know. Love it. There, yeah, mate. Bit of passion. Good on you, buddy. Hey. Oh, he's just got. We've got to go to. Whatever happens, happens. Eh? Whatever happens, happens, mate. That's There's right. Way more important stuff happening in my local world and country than a quarterfinal in rugby, to be honest. And yeah. Dean should understand that. Yes. Life goes on. Life does. We want them to win passionately, but. If Ireland win, I want them to win the final. End of story. I'm the same. Mm. I'm the same. Top right. man, Bruce. Yep. Good on you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. We'll take some news. We'll catch up with Ted after that. Back to the phones. Here we go. We've got Ted in Auckland. G'day, Ted. G'day, Steffi. How are you? Very good, sir. Cool. Hey, look, um, I've been listening to this uh, conversation you folks have been having, and uh, I think we're asking the wrong question. Um, people are saying, oh, you know, how are we going to... Uh, sorry, how, um, how are we going to beat Ireland? The question that should be asked is, how are they going to beat us? Oh, yes. Because <laughs> okay? we're the All Blacks, you know. We don't go into test matches thinking, how are we going to beat these folks? You know, we've got history behind us. You know, we've got a, a nation behind us. Um, they, you know, the question should be, how are they going to beat us? Very politely, very politely, they've got the nation behind them have Ireland. More than half the country are watching their games. There's 30,000 Irish fans over there, and they've beaten us four of the last six times. So recent history is on their side. I just see it as incredibly even contest. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But, you know, we need to go into this contest with the mindset they have to beat us. We're the boss. Yeah, we're the boss. You know, we've won how many World Cups now? What, four? Three. You know, um, you know, they're coming to take us on. We're not coming to take them on. Yeah. Nice stuff, Ted. Got some more calls. Enjoy it. Right. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. Mate. Good on you. John in Auckland. G'day, John. Oh, man, Steffi, I'm looking forward to this game, eh? So much. I'm seeing all the pundits. <laughs> I'm seeing all the punditry over there in Europe and Ireland and France just saying, you know, Ireland's going to be too good, too good, this, too good, that. Yeah, they're the best team in the world, but there's one team that can beat them, and that's the All Blacks. Yep. So we got this, mate. I trust the process.
<laughs> so up the mighty, up the mighty all blacks. Trust the process. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's one of the great comments. Yes, mate. So we're going to win 15 plus, mate. All right. Mark that down. Mark that down, John in Auckland. I look forward to your call on Monday. Thanks, buddy. Oh, is this Ollie from Wellington who's moving to Palmy? Is this Ollie? Up the turbo. Up the turbos, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, we yeah, good, mate. Hey, I just wanted to touch on the All Blacks if I may. Sure. I, uh, I think they they can get the job done, and obviously the old adage is, you know, up the the, the forward pack, but I think the wingers have got to trust in the inside centres or their centres and not bite in, as as we have been doing in the past. On defence, you mean? And that, yeah, on defence, mm. and um, not let that outside channel be too easy. Because yeah. the Irish are very strong in that area, they'll attack our, you know, they'll attack someone. I don't want to put a name on them, but someone like Rico Yuani. Yeah, and he needs a good game. He does need a very strong game. He, and he's a confidence player too. Absolutely, yeah. Get him the ball early. Get him on attack. Get him in the game, or get him slightly angry, and he's fire. Yeah, get him angry. That's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, it's there's so many different permutations, but um, it'll be our highest rating rugby game of the year this year so far. Oh, absolutely, and it deserves it. And hopefully, they get the uh, they get the spectacle that they they both deserve as teams. Yeah, from the from the uh, the decision makers. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's taking you to Turbo Town? Uh, yeah, Gilfred and I are just looking at uh, getting out of Welly for a bit of land, so we've picked up a uh, a ten acre farmlet. Kairanga, uh, or... going to live the rural life, uh, just uh, just outside of Sanson. Oh, magnificent! The bull side of Sanson, yeah, or the be. Foxton side of Sanson, or uh, sort of north. Oh, magnificent! Between Sanson oh. and Bulls. Yeah, uh, well, it's basically directly above Sanson. Okay. Um, it's not far out. Yeah, it's not too, uh, not too far away. I suppose it's in the middle of both. Love it, Neo Haki. I love it. Good on you, Ollie. We will choose chew the fat some more when the NPC rolls around again <laughs> next year. Cheers, Steph. Good, good, good on you, buddy. Ollie's off to Palmy. Uh, have we got time to squeeze in one more? Yeah, we have. Ed, the mighty Ed. Hey, my brother. Kia ora. Oh, never mind my Nazi for East Coast. Who's got the best hucker? But anyway, I hope the All Blacks, if they take the ball in, they don't lose it in the rucks and the walls. They just they just keep their own ball, and they got to go and try and steal the ball off those guys, yeah. Ireland. Because we beat Ireland last year. Once. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 ah. How did we do that? Let's go. Let's go, All Blacks. All good, Steph. There you yeah. go, buddy. There is Ed. Thank you, Ed. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. A uh, couple of quick texts. There's so many good ones. I agree with you, Steffi. Barnes and O'Keefe are the two best refs in the world, but I fear we will get another Englishman on Sunday. Barnes is English. Uh, this is how we beat the Irish. Give the ball to Jonah. Darren, so right. The locks will be Brody and Scott with Sam on the bench. Can Ethan be a wild card and go number eight and Ardy to seven later in the game? We can win by going straight and tight with patience. Earn the right to go wide. No aimless kicking. It's one of my big wishes too, Brian. Uh, Chris, fins up. 
I will humour you, Staffy. I think we beat Ireland. And well. I think they've marked this game since the loss. When we lost to them in the USA, it was a rock under the towel for months. Sam Kane and the All Blacks came out with almost a ruthless violence in Ireland, angry and hurt. The scoreline wasn't a blowout, but it was a statement. I think that happens again on the weekend as well as the All Blacks have nothing to lose. No one expects them to win. I think the All Blacks by eight. Chris, fins up. I hope you're a soothsayer. I hope you know what you're talking about. I'd love the All Blacks to win this one. Wouldn't be surprised if Foster got his job back and played Bowden Barrett at number 10 when he was 38 years old. Jeez, Mark from Christchurch. Sorry, mate, this Island team won't let us play like we did four years ago. To win, the All Blacks need to have the greatest outing under the Ian Foster tenure. It's as simple as that from Nick. Look at the Irish coaches when they score. Our coaches are bland as. Fraser from Tauranga. Yeah, our coaches are too cool for school. Except for Jason Ryan. The law of averages and numbers is going to beat Ireland. This winning streak of theirs has to come to an end. They've never made the semi-final... And their playmaker is 38. Moonga needs the keys to the ship and has the ability to run rings around Sexton, putting outside backs into space up the ABs. Uh, have I got time? Yeah, a couple more. After a few years of very negative Kiwis towards the All Blacks, I'm so happy to hear how confident excited people are for this game. Feels like we have our rugby community back, and it's great. Yes. I, as long as you don't get confused when I say, I think Ireland are going to win. Don't get confused with, I want Ireland to win. I definitely want the All Blacks to win. But we need to be a lot better than what we've seen, which they're capable of and which I'm hoping for. This is the game the coaches and players were waiting for. I'd be surprised if they don't get up for this game and give it their everything. Yes! This is very New Zealand of the text messages. I'm loving it. Maybe the, I can now say I think the All Blacks win, but I don't. But I really want them to win. Last one, sure, Johnny Sexton had a good game on the weekend and has had a couple of years, but he was pretty average for his first 15 years. And last year, I can't remember. But did he actually play well against us? And has he ever played well against us? I don't know why we're all worried about him. He wouldn't make the All Blacks. Actually, he wouldn't, Jimmy. He wouldn't make the All Blacks. We have to get going because we have to find out what's making news after this break. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? That's Saskia's voice. She hasn't been here for ages. But she still tells us what's making news. But it's Robbie today. It is. Robinho. Yes. Let's and find I think I've got you tomorrow as well. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um... We will find out right now what's making news. World record. Um, yeah, what am, well, I'm known for. I'm known for two things. I'm not really known for the second, but I, it's my classic go-to: world records and and an animal story. Wisconsin stories. Okay. Uh, residents. Well, actually, an animal story as well. Uh, residents of a Wisconsin neighborhood were treated to an unusual sight when a herd of up to four dozen cows came wandering through their cul-de-sac. Just wow. cows. Randomly showed up. Um, yeah. Captured video. Cows wandered past homes in the uh, Rolling Hills Estate subdivision while astonishing neighbours watched on. So Move along. Yep, exactly. Uh, res- one resident said he lost count at 20 cows wandering through his garden. <laughs> um, yeah, estimated there were up to four dozen cows total. 
And um, it was, yeah, they, it turned out they'd escaped from a farm about half a mile away. The owner said the cattle managed to escape when someone left a barn door open and they were all returned safely. Nice, so, nice. Bit of good news there, but, uh, but yeah, bit, bit random. I don't think, I can't say I've ever seen something quite like that outside my house. I read this morning that a thousand birds died flying into the walls of a Chicago building yesterday. Goodness. And in Chicago, it's on the migration flight path of birds, and they're all supposed to turn their lights off, but they left them on, and a thousand birds mm. in an hour Goodness. plummeted to their death. Right. There you go. Interesting. Mm. Uh, world record. Yep. Illinois, um, a teacher has uh, been awarded a Guinness World Record. He's been a, He started teaching social studies at a middle school. On September 1st, 1970. Ooh. Still going. 53 years later. 53 years later. Wow. Not bad. That's a lot of studying social. Yeah. He said his love of history was sparked by his father's service in World War II. And I think this quote to, uh, to finish it off just pretty much sums up my outlook on life. Keep working on what you love to do in life, he said. It may turn into a world record. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind it. Don't mind it. And uh, just quickly, the Oregon Humane Society adopted a Taylor Swift theme for its annual pug crawl. Oh, nice! A fashion show for the uh, for the for pugs. And yeah, basically uh, saw their owners, pugs and their owners, gathered in Portland. There was a pink carpet. <laughs> they all had uh, Taylor Swift themed outfits on. And uh, yeah, all, all dogs were welcome, but only pugs were allowed to uh, allowed in the fashion show, as it were. Mm. So very, very official. Well, wasn't there? Wish it, wish I had been. Should have got a correspondent on the show. Get one of the pugs on the show. Mm. I reckon that's the move. A couple of quick facts. According to the Bible, the chicken came before the egg. Right. I had to. Yeah. Guess so. And where's my other fact gone? There it is. I was just looking at this one actually. There's a there's a bird called a fri- frigate bird, frigate, 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 frigate bird, um, which is yeah apparently a family of seabirds, and apparently they can sleep while they fly. Excellent. Mm. It's like you can sleep while you work. Can I? Yeah. Oh, can I just get a couple of text messages out <clears throat> before we go? Thank you, Robbie. Uh, Craig says, Sam Kane is the key. We need to win the breakdown in defence and attack. We've got to go up the middle and control the ball, play boring 10-man rugby, and choose wisely when to run it. Go the mighty All Blacks. Uh, chill New Zealand. It's an All Blacks Springboks final, eventuating in the Springboks winning their fourth World Cup from Norman. Shut down Bundyaki and we go a long way to winning. Start like we did against South Africa at Mount Smart and we win easily. Herd of cows? Yep. Herd of sheep? <laughs> back in the day next Here's what happened Back in the day October 10, 1964 The first Summer Olympic Games to be conducted in Asia Was opened in Tokyo And the final torchbearer Was Yoshinori Sakai Who was born in Hiroshima On the day of the atomic bomb In 1945 2003 on this day Matthew Hayden got 380 in the first test against Zimbabwe to break Brian Lara's record for the highest individual score in a test. Six months later Brian Lara took it back when he got 400 not out. This day in 2004 Super Bowl champs the Patriots beat the Dolphins for their 19th consecutive win. 
Uh, birthdays today, Brett Favre. Speaking of NFL, he turns 54 today, former NFL quarterback. Dale Earnhardt Jr., one of the great American auto racers, turns 49. And Josh Giddy, 21-year-old Australian basketballer for the OKC Thunder, turns 21 today. On this day, the number one movie was the movie that gave rise to the phrase The Bunny Boiler. Fatal Attraction with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. And the number one song was by Blonde Python. White Snake, Robbie. Blonde Python, White Snake. Did you get that? You get that. Um, I've actually loved the patriotical nature of the All Blacks text we've had, and and I've got an idea of something I'm going to do later in the week. I'm going to get you to send in messages of support to rack them up, and I'll take a photo of it and I'll send it to someone over there to read out to the team. Yes. Coming up to 3 o'clock with a run home. Big thanks, Rubinho. We'll catch you tomorrow.